Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Uh, tonight, I wanted to talk about waiting on God, oh, no. all right? And, I, and I, I felt like God really put it on my heart. I don't know if it was because uh, maybe it's a season I'm in or it's been something I have to think about, uh, but I, I really have been feeling lately like the tension, so to speak, uh, of waiting on the Lord. You know, and, and because I want everything in my life to be microwavable, like I want to be able to just put, you know, character, patience in and put one minute and come out and be like, I'm the most patient man ever. Right. But it doesn't happen that way. And if I try to do it often, it ends up blowing up in my face. Right. Just like that egg. Right. And, and so that was a little that was to show you, uh, you know, I wasn't dating Chrissy yet. Dominic wasn't didn't know Emily. And so. We just did stupid things like that. So, uh, so, but anyway, but I don't even know what to say. Anyway, all right. So I'm gonna move on. So there's some things in life you can't microwave. Okay, and, and basically, we live in such a generation where everything is about happening quick, getting it done. Right. Like, if you think about it, what? Only like 50 years, hundred years ago, it was just mail. That's about all you could do. Right, and it was like get mail, put it on the Pony Express, and send it across America. Right, and then maybe in a couple months you'll hear back from somebody. Then eventually you turned into the telephone. You could finally pick up and call somebody. It was awesome, right? And then it became emailing, and then it became text message, and basically uh, now it's at this place where you can instantaneously text somebody and get an answer back. Right, and our patience has gone out the window with that. Right? If someone texts me and I don't respond within the day, I get a text the next day like, bro, did you read that? Hey, are we cool? Are we okay? Dude, and I get a phone call. Are we all right? You didn't respond to my text message. Right? And I'm like, dude, man, like, that was not a problem. Like, like can you imagine 100 years ago, like, you send a letter. Five months later, you get a letter back. Are we cool? Are we okay? Like, like, because you, it took three months to get there and three months to come back, right? We have become this generation where everything is about going quick, going fast, get it done. Uh, our communication, uh, cooking became the microwave, right? It, it went from, I used to have to, like back in the day, you'd have to find, hunt down food, build a fire, wait forever like to, to cook the thing. Now it's like I see 20 minutes on the lasagna and I'm like, 20? Oh my gosh. That's like a whole episode of something. What am I going to watch now while I'm waiting for my food to cook? Right? And and, and we basically, uh, packages, now Amazon literally has same day delivery. And they're talking about that not being fast enough. Not even. Amazon says they're wanting to invent little drones that when you order something, it picks up and flies to your house and drops it off. And they're saying they want to get it to your house within a few hours from when you order it. That's ridiculous. Like, come on. Are you serious? I feel like we could use money to do something like end hunger, you know? Like, and yet we're focusing on getting things as quick as possible. We live in this generation of we hate waiting. How many of you hate waiting? Like, we can't even be quiet. We can't even be at a stoplight for two minutes without checking our phone for, for Facebook. And we're like, 
looking around, and then you open your phone and you're like scrolling through. Like, I hope I'm not the only one who's ever done that. Okay, if I am, I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, we we it's ridiculous, guys. Come on. And, and basically, we have been. The problem is we have tied this into every area of our life. It has this impatience, inability to wait, has really infected everything in our life. And in some ways, it's really cool. Like. I, I think it's awesome. Fast pass at Disneyland, that's great. You know, I don't want to wait in line, right? But I've had times where I saw the line for fast pass was too long, and I said, nah, I ain't doing that, right? I'm just not going to go on that ride this time, right? Because there's this weird thing that hates waiting inside of us. And yet, God, for some reason, is constantly asking us to wait, right? Have you guys ever had something in your life where you felt like God said, uh, go ahead and you're asking him for something and he didn't get it within 30 minutes. Has that ever happened to anyone? If you get get an answer to your prayer every 30 minutes, like, talk to me, you can preach, because I pray for things and they just, they take a long time sometimes, right? (laughs) Has anyone ever had that? Yeah, thank you, okay. Joel's like, yeah, that is me. Okay, so because the problem is God is not tied to our time frame. The Bible says that a thousand years is like a day for him. So the same day delivery for God could be like a hundred generations for us, right? And he's like, it happened so quick. What are you talking about? And we're like, what? Oh, I've been waiting 10 years, God, right? And like, he is not stuck within our time frame. And the problem is we have stuck this impatient thing onto God. And, and I have counseled so many people, and I have gone to counseling so many times myself, about this one issue of how come the promises in my life are not unfolding. Like, how come I want to be this, and yet I'm in this job, right? Or I'm in school, or, or this thing's not working. I so badly want to be here, and I'm stuck over here. Like, this, uh, more than almost anything, youth and college students come to me saying, like, how come God just won't, like, like move my life forward, Right? Have you guys ever felt like that? Yes. Like, I have these promises, I have these dreams, I have this future, and I'm still working at Taco Bell. Like, why? You're right? And and, and this has happened to me. This is, and I've gone to Pastor Daniel so many times saying, like, I've had all these words over my life, and I had these dreams, and this, all this stuff, and for some reason it's not happening. Why? And he's like, dude, it's been like two weeks since you got that. Like, chill out, man. But, So we, as a generation, we have been so bad about waiting on God. And so tonight, I want to talk about how to wait on God. How to wait on the promises of God in your life. Because God, for some reason, He just has this weird knack where He tells you what He wants to do. He puts it in your heart years before He actually does it. And I would rather Him tell me, like, tomorrow I'm going to do right? And then you're like, oh great, I have to wait a day. But instead, he's like, I'm going to do this in your life. And you don't know when. <laughs> and, and every day you're like, is it today? <laughs> Not today, right? <laughs> and you're like, oh! And this happens, right? This is a very real issue and rarely do I hear anyone preach on this concept of waiting on God. Right? People talk about this is how you get things done in your spirituality. But it's like, what do you do when it takes years to develop character in your heart? Right? And so the question that, that comes out is this why. I always hear why. Why would God make me wait? 
Why would He put this desire in my heart and then not give it to me? Why would I have this dream and it's still not fulfilled? Why, 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 why? And most of the time I just go, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I know He's asked us to wait and He's faithful to bring the answer. And usually the why is because the thing He had to prepare in your heart, He knew it would take 10 years of character and patience and building it to actually be able to hold up the promise he gave you. Whereas a lot of times if he said, surprise, you are now the leader of an entire organization, I, I would panic and I would die, right? <laughs> like, right? Whereas he, where if he says there's a leader of a whole organization inside of you, I'm like, okay. And it makes me want a McDonald's to like, I can do a little better today. Because like, I'm a leader of an organization, right? But I feel the pressure and the pain of how come I'm not there. But it's actually that pressure and that pain that develops the character needed to carry the promise. Yep. <coughs> Muscle is built by ripping and tension. Yeah. Right? When you have tension, your muscles rip. And then you get ripped. That's why they call it ripped. Because like, you're ripping, right? Because you... To get stronger, you actually have to have tension coming against you. It's the same thing spiritually. We ask for patience, and then we get ripped. <laughs> and we have all this tension, and we're like, what the heck? And it builds our patience muscle to go stronger than it was before. Right? And so, go, go ahead and turn with me. I, I feel like a, a story that kind of really helps with this, and so I want to... I, kind of bring tonight and bring some principles to help waiting on the promises of God in your life is actually found in Genesis chapter 1. Hey. So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1. It is on the very left of your Bible and uh, or the first page of your app. Right? And it is on page 1. Okay. So here we go. So Genesis chapter 1. It says, then God, verse, this is verse 26. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our own likeness. So basically God, he, he looks at himself. He looks at the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is one of the beautiful pictures of the Trinity right here. And, and he says, let us make man like us. Like one who longs for a relationship. One who, who, who has our heart. One who has, let's, let's make someone who carries our likeness. So he makes Adam, right? And it says, uh, jump down a few more verses, it it basically says that the Lord took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Uh, The the word Eden literally means delight. A lot of you know that, some don't. It means it's the same word as delight. And God says you must work and you must keep this garden. That means that work was before the fall. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. That means my job, my nine to five job. That was in the garden long before sin entered the world. Because you're like, nah, that ain't God. There ain't no way. I was meant to get up at the crack of dawn and work. <laughs> right? There ain't no way. The Sabbath is from God. Right? But work, I don't know, man. And, and, and where it is, it says, no. The first thing he ever did, God said, you're meant to be and live in delight of God. Eden, you are meant to work it, work until and steward the delight of God in your life. 
That is what you're meant to do. You are meant to work on your heart, work on your life, work on these things, work on the world around you, and make it look like a place that God has delight in. That is, that's your job, is to be delighted, to know God delights in you, and then everything you do, you're working out the delight of God. This is your, your, your first role. This was before the fall. God said everything you do, you're called to work into like a piece of heaven. A piece of, of the Eden. In your own heart, your mind, and your life, and your job. This is, this is your call. This is why people are so attracted to this idea of paradise. And, but, but even paradise, you have to work it and keep it paradise. Right? So, I really believe that even in heaven, there's going to be work. How do I know this? Because there were angels. And worker angels. And a whole army of angels. So why would they have that if there weren't assignments and things to do? <laughs> like they don't just sit there for a million years floating around, right? There's like, like God has a plan. He has things for you to do, right? Okay. So anyway, as for free work is from God. Amen. Okay. So yeah, do work. Okay. So God lived with man alone in the garden, right? This is incredible to me. This is heaven. Can you imagine Every person is God. And you're just you and God. Oh. Yes. <laughs> right? Like every annoying person, every distraction, all of it. They're literally just not even on planet Earth anymore. And you're in a perfect garden where there's like a tiger and he's your friend. He doesn't want to eat you. Right? There's all these cool animals and it's you and God. And it's just like, oh, this is awesome. Right? That's beautiful. That's amazing, right? There's no sin. You don't have insecurities. You don't have parent wounds because your parent was God, right? You don't have like baggage or past issues or pain or all of it's just gone. You and God. This is awesome, right? This is where Adam's at. This is like, this is amazing. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who's just right for him. God looked at perfect, just me and you. And he said, there's something not good about this. That's crazy. That means God did not say it was perfect until he brought other people in. Oh, that means you alone with God is not the perfect goodness. This means that everyone's like, I don't need anyone. I just need God. Well, according to God, that's not good. <laughs> hey. Oh, because God, if it was good, why would he, he wouldn't be here? It would still just be him and Adam, right? But he said, this isn't good. He needs, he needs someone else. This is why you need community, whether you like it or not. The Bible in Proverbs, it actually says, he is a fool who seeks isolation. That means when I'm like, I just need, I, I hate everyone. I'm going to be alone. God's like, that is foolish <laughs> like don't do that like you need community in your life you need people anyway that's not off subject that was once again for free right but basically this god says there's something not good here and then you see this promise i will make a helper who's just right for him this promise enters the mind of god the heart of god and he says this is what i'm going to do there is something not good in adam's life and I have a plan. And he releases this promise. I don't know how, I don't know if he told Adam. I don't know if he said it. I don't know. But somehow it was heard because it was written down in the Bible, right? And, and so, but God says this isn't good. And almost this promise is made in the moment. I'm going to do something about this. 
And I'm telling you, you've all had this. You've had moments in your life where you hate your job or you hate school or you, you hate the situation or drama or whatever. You're feeling this tension. You feel alone with God and you feel like he slips you a little bit of hope. I'm going to take this. Or he gives you a little, he gives you a promise. One day you're going to get out of this. Or he says, no, you're, you're not called to forever work at Taco Bell. You're going you're gonna to do something great with your life. Like there's a little moment where a promise slips in just right here. And I think if God knew it wasn't good, Adam was probably starting to catch on that it's not good either. <laughs> right? And, and so a promise comes out. So I want to show you guys what happens. Notice that Adam was in perfect alignment with God. Adam had no sin in his life. There was no excuses of bad things on the world. There was nothing going wrong. And yet there was still this tension of something is not good. So many times people come to me and I've gone to my counselors saying, why do I feel this tension in my heart? Is there some sin in my life? Am I missing God? Am I in rebellion? Like, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with me? And they're like, yeah, you probably have secret sin. And you're like, and then you're beating yourself up. Oh, I have tension in my heart because I'm just this bad person. Right? And yet Adam had it in the garden with perfection and no sin. God said there's a tension, there is a tension right here, and there's an unfulfilled promise, and you, he didn't do anything wrong. What if, you, what if it's not that you're a horrible sinner? What if it's not that you're rebellious? What if it's not that you are, sometimes that's the case, and that's true, yeah, you talk to God, go to him. But there's moments where you will feel the pain, you will feel the tension, you will feel the lack of not fulfilled promises, and you are perfectly in alignment with God's will. Right? According to this. So don't, don't go running and saying, what's wrong with me? How come everything's not going down? Because what if God says that you're in exactly the right spot? So, going down. So many of us think there's a, a, a desire unfulfilled in our life because we did something wrong. And God says, no. That's not, maybe that's the case, but a lot of times, He purposely lets us Feel the tension. A lot of times he allows us to feel the tension so that we will actually start to build character. So that we will actually start to work towards the promise. Sometimes he will actually, usually, he will let you feel this tension of, oh, I hate this right now. So that you know the value of the thing that you did. Right? Dominic, I remember going through him, he had the tension of wanting to be with Emily. Right? <laughs> and when he got it, it was like, oh, I finally value this because I have been waiting. Right? And then there was the tension of saving up for a ring. Right? And he's like, oh, I gotta get this ring. I gotta get this ring. I gotta get this ring. And finally, when he got it, there was so much value on that thing because he had been working for it, man. If he had just got it overnight, it was like, I want a ring. Boom, got it. Right? Then who cares if it gets thrown away? You can just get another one. But the tension gave value for the very thing. They're getting married, and when they get married, they're like, oh, man, we worked so hard to get to this place, man. I have value for this. This marriage and they're like who are you i'm dominic you want to get married sure right then the next day they don't have value for the relationship the tension actually created a value right do you see this like there's actually the tension created value because you fought 
for the promise. The Israelites had to fight wars to obtain the promised land of God. But I thought it was promised. I thought God said it was theirs. Why'd they have to literally fight war to get it? Because they had value for the promise then. They fought. They co-labored alongside the promises of God in their life. Alright, here, let's go to the next verse. So, this is, this is kind of hilarious to me. So basically, God says this. He says, uh, ooh, I have an idea. I'm going to make him a helper. That's what he says. He's like, I'm going to make him a helper. That's the moment with Donald. Like, Praise God! Right? Okay, so, verse 19. This is it. This is what God's answer is. He says, I know what I'm going to do. This isn't good. This is not a good situation. I'm going to make him a helper and a promise is released. And then he says, verse 19, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So God's like, this is not good for man to be alone. I'm going to do something about this. Adam, go name the animals. Like, what? I don't know if you think like me, but I would have thought God would say, this is not good. Let's make him a woman. <laughs> right? But instead, he's like, let's, let's put him back to work in the garden. <laughs> he's like, this is, God's like, this is not good. Adam, go work more. Right? And, and, and Adam, the pain increases. Adam's sitting there and he's like naming the animals. And then literally after all the animals, it says, but Adam realized he had no helper for him. So he's sitting there. There's a boy dog and a girl dog. I'll name them dog, right? There's, and he goes through the whole list of animals. And each one, he's realizing there's two, there's two, there's two, there's two. And he's like, there's one. <laughs> right? Like, what? Well, there's only one of me, right? And this tension is actually increasing inside of him. Like, God doesn't say, Adam, Adam, this isn't good. Let's do something about this. Boom, relief. He's like, dude, this isn't good. Go keep working, right? So often, God will actually put a tension inside of your heart, and then he will tell you to keep stewarding and keep being faithful without it. He will tell you, I know you hate your job. You're going to be a leader. You're going to be a pastor one day. You're not going to do this anymore. So keep working at your job. And you're like, what? What the heck, God? That's not what I want to do, right? And so this keeps happening. He says, remember the original job, he said, he said steward the garden. And then he's like, oh, you have this huge longing. Keep stewarding the garden. Go back and do what I originally put in front of you. Is that God brought the animals to him. And then he says, keep, keep working at what I brought before you. He knows Adam is in need of a fulfilled promise. So what does he do? He asks Adam to continue working at what is brought in front of him. Wow. And what's crazy is he brought them to the man. Adam didn't go out looking for the fulfilled promise. He literally just stayed faithful to what God brought in front of him. It was not Adam's job to make the promise happen. His job was to steward what was in front of him. It wasn't Adam's job to fulfill and work and find the promise. It was his job to steward what was brought to him. 
So check this out. God knew that the reason, the, the, the question comes up as to why. Once again, why? Why are you? Why? Why? <laughs> why is the worst question you can ask God? He rarely answers it, right? And so usually you say, you don't ask why, you ask what do I do? God, what do you want me to do about this? Not like, why did this happen? Ask him, what do you want me to do about this, God? And he continue to show you. Okay, so God knew, and the reason why I really believe this, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe the reason why is because Adam was meant to steward and lead Eve. If he could not steward and lead animals, how could he steward and lead a wife? God knew that Adam would name Eve. Give her her identity, her name. If he cannot name animals faithfully, how will he ever be able to faithfully name Eve? You see, there was a maturing and there was a skill set developing inside of him through naming and leading and stewarding the animals that actually was used to then name and lead and steward his wife. And yet he did not know that's what was happening. He he knew afterwards, like, oh, I'm so happy I got good at naming animals because then I'm supposed to name a person, right? And this is why probably every Hebrew name has a deep meaning because he got so used to naming things, right? And, like, there's a reason behind every name. And so finally, he's like, E, right? And so there is moments in your life where God will put the promise and then he'll put the tension and you do not realize he is actually purposely doing it so that you will rip (laughs) and so that you will begin to build the skill set needed to walk in that promise. There is a naming the animals process that is totally painful that you have to go through. Right? If Adam knew, Adam didn't know the ending. He didn't know. For us, we're like, oh, the next day he got Eve. He didn't know that. He was just being faithful with naming every single animal. And who knows how long that took, right? Oh, man, right? And so there was something, for some reason, Eve still didn't come. He was halfway through. He was being faithful. And she still wasn't there. Because there was still a maturing, a skill set that had to happen inside of Adam before he was ready to lead Eve. So God is currently growing and maturing you with what he has placed in front of you. And I believe that he doesn't waste a thing. I believe the exact job you're in has a purpose. It's teaching you something that that you will not be able to walk in the promise of your life unless you learn. There's a reason for every single thing. So the question is, do we sit there? Like, what if Adam just sat down and he's like, I'm done, I don't want to do it. I don't want to name anything. Like, this is stupid, right? <laughs> like, I'm done with this, <laughs> right? Like, he was super creative with like, hippopotamus. And the body's like, dog, you're a dog. Like, he's, just, he's like, done, this is stupid, right? <laughs> like, like, what if he just gave up? Like, he had this beautiful long names, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex. And he's like, cat. he's given up right and so basically what if he gave up I wonder if Eve would have ever come unless he first finished the task God had for him he 
people sit there complaining about, where's my spouse, right? And I'm like, man, with that maturity, you're not going to get her, right? <laughs> like, you have to realize that, that, that you, when you realize that God is enough and you trust him and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to steward what I'm in now. When I see that kind of a man, I say, God, give him a wife. He is ready, right? But when I see the guy who's like, where is she? right then i'm like dude you are not ready <laughs> like you know like you have to be, trust god and be faithful to steward where you're at and god will build the character and the tension of the patience for you to lead and walk in the promise wow. psalms 27 14 it says wait for the lord be strong and let your heart take courage why does he say that because if you're waiting for god you're going to need courage Okay, so he says, wait for the Lord. Okay, the word wait is kavah, and it means to lie in wait. It literally means like a lion waiting for the prey. It means like it's a lion sitting there who's like, any second, this deer's going to walk by, and I'm going to eat it, right? It's not this passive, like, I give up, I'm waiting, I'm done, right? It's literally this very action-oriented word. Another meaning of it, it actually means to pick things up and to bind them together. Like you're picking up every moment of promise of God, hints at the thing, you pick it up, you bind it, you're like, that's mine. I'm keeping this wow. right. Like you're waiting for the promise to unfold. You are eagerly positioning yourself in a place where you're like, okay, okay, all right. I'm doing it. Like today at Starbucks, I'm working again, and I'm going to learn something that's going to set me up for my calling. Right? There's a reason behind this today. Psalms 5.3, it says, In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you, and I will eagerly watch. Like, eagerly watch. I love this. There's this guy named Charles Spurgeon. This is his quote. He says, Stand still. Keep the posture of an upright man, ready for action, expecting further orders, cheerfully and patiently awaiting the directing voice. And it will not be long ere God shall say to you as distinctly as he did to Moses, go forward. He says, like military standing up, waiting for the next order. That's what waiting on God means. It's not this position of, I give up and do I'm just going to wait. I'm just not going to sit in my room. And I'm just going to wait for God to sovereignly change my life. Right? It's like, no, I'm, I'm going to go after everything he has for me. Adam did not stop. He kept naming Do you give up when the promise takes too long? Do you give up? Do you break down, melt down, and say, forget it, I'm done? Or do you press in and say, God... I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm going to faithfully keep serving. So there's a moment where Adam, it says that he still didn't find a a suitable helper. He looked around and he said, where's mine? Right? And for you, there's going to be moments when you're looking at everyone else's life. They're getting the promotion. They're getting the job. Every single person on Facebook is getting married. Right? There's going to be moments when... You're like, where is mine? And he says that, that it wasn't suitable for him. He, like, he looked and he said, how come there's not one for me? You will have moments like that. Do you choose to compare and shut down? Or do you choose to stay faithful to what God has in front of you? What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on what God has for you? Or are you focusing on what you don't have? Focus on what he has for you to do. And I promise you, that more than anything will accelerate God's promises in your life. 
uh, A.W. Tozer, he said this. He said, what then are we to do about our problems? We must learn to live with them until such time as God delivers us from them. We must pray for grace to endure them without murmuring. Without murmuring. Without murmuring. That means like, I hate this. This job sucks. Like, no, every day you're like, praise God for my job. <laughs> right? Okay. And he says, problems patiently endured will work for our spiritual perfecting. They harm us only when we resist them or endure them unwillingly. So many times you're like, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, I hate this, I'm not doing this. And you're actually decelerating the promise of God. Then if you actually just said, okay, this sucks, but I'm doing it with everything I got. <laughs> right? Then you actually are faithfully accelerating the path for God in your life. Uh, for me, can I tell you guys, we're almost done here. Can I tell you a quick testimony of how this has worked in my life? Basically, um, I remember, so I used to be a missionary, still a missionary, we're always a missionary, forever a missionary. Uh, but basically, I was in Cambodia. I was living in another country, like full on, like that kind of a missionary. Like, oh, you're a missionary, right? And um, saw revival break out. Like literally, people are knocking over their demon houses and saying, give me God, and we're baptizing them. We didn't have a river, so we pick up buckets of water and like splash it on them and baptize it like full on. It was awesome. It was great. People, whole villages giving their lives to the Lord. And I was like, God, what about San Diego? My heart broke for San Diego. The, the, the farther I got away from home, the more I dreamed of seeing it here. It was this weirdest thing, right? And, and finally, God, a year after me just suffering, said, God, San Diego, what about San Diego? He brought me to San Diego, and I moved here, right? And I'm like, yeah, this is it. Revival San Diego. Here we go, right? Like, yeah. And I, and I, and I was so passionate. I would hit the streets at night with my buddy, and we would just walk up to random people and preach the gospel to them. It was hilarious. There's one guy we ran into like five nights in different cities, and it was like God was hunting him down. And he's like, you again? And we're like, hey. Right? Like, we just hit it. We went for it. We are just revival San Diego. And I was like, I want to be a full-time minister. That's what I want to do. I want to be a full-time minister. And I was so stoked about it, right? I couldn't find a job. Ended up getting a job working at a divorce law firm in, in a cubicle. I went from revivalist in Cambodia, two weeks later in a cubicle full-time. Sitting there, what happened? That hit me so fast. Like, what happened? And I remember just feeling so depressed. And I, and I had this choice, and where God challenged me, are you still the same revivalist that you were when you were out in Cambodia? And so I would just sit there, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I would sit there, and I remember, I was just an organizer, so I had to just de-staple papers, and re-staple them, and give them to attorneys, and things like that. And I would sit there, and every staple I would do, I'd be like, God, let every staple be a life saved. Like, and I was just trying to like, like try to be intense when it like didn't like you didn't need to be. And I'm just like praying each time, just trying to like, right. And then I remember finally I quit that job and I moved over and I became a salesman uh, for a company. And I was the guy, I was the annoying guy that you all hang up on, right? Uh, where you answer and they're like, Hey, how would you like? You just hang up on them, right? I was that guy, and it was the worst, right? And basically everyone was so mean to me, right? And so. I, I dealt daily with just this rejection complex. Like, no one cares what I have to say. Like, I just, like, I call them and hang up on me, right? Because I'm that annoying guy, right? So I did that for another year. And I remember I was like, God, I want to be in ministry, right? And people would call me out from stage and they would stand me up. A lot of these people have seen it. They stood me up and they say, I see you preaching to thousands of people and going to nations. And I would break down crying. And I'm like, I'm a salesman. Like, I hate this. Like, I want that. Like everyone sees it, but my life is not <laughs> right. And, then, and I remember, I'm like, okay. And then finally, I got a new job, right? 
And I'm like, okay, Revival San Diego, let's keep going, right? Years have gone by, and then I get a job, and I'm working at a computer company, once again in a cubicle, and I'm the support trainer guy. I'm the guy that you call when people are complaining, right? And they say, your product's broken, I hate it. And I was that guy who was like there to fix it. So I just listened to complaints all day, and I kept getting depressed again. And I felt like God said, you say to me, are you willing to, to keep a good attitude even when people are complaining all the time? And I'm like, ah, I hate this. Right? Years and years and years, right? And then I became a waiter. And a waiter, you walk up and people are like, I literally pay you based on your performance. <laughs> like, like, I'm not going to give you a tip because you did real bad, right? And so, oh man. And I'm like, but God, I want to be a full-time minister. It went like this for like seven years. Seven years of doing this. Every year. God, I want to be a full-time minister. I want to be a Wait for me. I'll go be a waiter. <laughs> right? I hate this, God. And then in January, a crazy bunch of stuff happened out of nowhere, and I stepped in as a full-time pastor. And it, it sideswiped me. I had no, I didn't see it coming. And also, I'm like, oh my gosh, are you, what happened? And when I look back, I'm doing things in ministry now, and I'm like, finally, I've arrived, right? And I look back though, and I had to plan youth camp and all these camps and all this stuff. And the only reason I knew how to organize and do all the Excel sheets and do everything needed and all the finances was because I had learned how to do it at the law firm. And so I could set up all these events. And then I had to have times where I'm leading people and I'm faced with rejection. But I had learned to not tie my identity to people's rejection of me. And daily, I work with people who have to, you, they, they reject you or they like try to evangelize or whatever, and then they just like don't want it, right? Or kids who open, you open your heart to them and then they reject you, right? But I had learned not to tie my identity to it as a salesman, mm-hmm. right? And then I remember, <laughs> as a pastor, you're often the people you're, you're meant to be the guy to support the shepherd, right? And then you also have, you have to hear what God's saying and the leaders, and you have to try to explain that to the sheep. But then at the same time, you have to take the sheep and try to explain it to the pastors and to the other leaders and even to God and pray on their behalf. I learned how to do that as a support tech because I would take the complaints of the people and I would learn how to translate them to the leaders and vice versa. Right? And, and I learned how to train people on how to use a program. Okay. So it taught me how to actually, how the human mind is set up to learn and how I need to train you about God. Okay. I learned that as a support tech. Right? And then as a waiter, I learned... How, how, how to go up and how to serve. doesn't matter if I'm exhausted. I'm going to serve you. doesn't matter if I'm tired. doesn't matter if I'm heartbroken. I'm here to serve you. It doesn't matter if I hate this right now. I'm here to serve you. It taught me how to perpetually serve and hustle no matter what. Good. And that if, you, if you think my performance is bad, it doesn't matter. I smile and I say, I love you. I'm going to serve you. Good. I learned that as a waiter. Every step of the way, God was teaching me how to be a full-time minister. And I was obsessed with and depressed that I wasn't a full-time minister. And God just said, if you would just be faithful with what's in front of you, you'd realize I'm teaching you how to walk in the promise I have for you. And I look back and say, thank you, God, for the seven years of jobs I hated. <laughs> because they taught me how to be a pastor. More than any pastor school could. And taught me how to actually pastor people. And so I'm ending on this because 
Basically, Adam learned by being faithful and waiting on God. He learned the skills he needed to obtain and to walk in the promises. So right now, I know a lot of you feel tension in your heart that you don't have, you don't have the Adam in your life. You don't have the Eve. You don't have the spouse. You don't have the job. You don't even have the degree. You don't have the, like, you don't have the money. You don't have the... It's so easy to talk about what you don't have, and I want to promise you that God is using your current season to, to set you up to obtain and walk in the promises He has for you. Are you going to embrace them, or are you going to reject them? Are you going to say, okay, God, whatever it looks like, I'm in, or are you going to say, no, nah, I'm going to keep running from this? So the three, I just said three points. Point one was trust God's timing. Point two is faithfully go through the process. Point three was eagerly wait for the Lord. Genesis 2.21, it says, So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took out the man's rib, closed up the flesh. God finally brought the promise when Adam rested. When Adam finally finished... Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, the point... Sure. Uh, point one. Where did it go? Anyway, uh, point one was trust in the Lord. Point two, faithfully go through the process. And point three was eagerly wait. Yeah. Genesis two twenty one. When Adam was asleep, God fulfilled the promise. When you can finally rest in what's in front of you, often that's when God will fulfill the promise. When you stop striving and you rest in the season you're in. Genesis 2.22, the, the very next verse. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Once again, Adam only received what was brought to him. The animals were brought to him. The garden was brought to him. And finally, the promise, Eve herself, was brought to him. The next verse, it says, The man said, This at last. Go on, Dominic. At last. <laughs> this at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And then check this out. He uses the skill he learned all those times. And she will be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. He says, at last, it was worth it. The tension's over. I got the promise. And I'm able to lead her, steward her, and even name her, because I learned how to do it through the entire process of waiting on God. Your season that you're in is not a waste. It's not, it's not a bummer. It's not uh, a, like a, what is God doing in this season? You're not stagnant. You're not in a bad place. You're in a perfect spot. The thing is, do you have eyes to see them? Uh, Woodrow Wilson, he said, uh, I like it. He basically said um, that good things come to those who wait. But then he said, and those who actually know what they're waiting for. Do you have vision for why you're waiting? Do you realize? Because if you don't, you're just saying, I'm, I'm waiting, this sucks, and you're going to move on. But if you have vision for the season you're in, God will use it to, to set you up for the calling on your life. Is that cool?
Awesome. So Lord, I thank you for this amazing group of people. I thank you. These are the faithful ones who, who they've been coming week after week. God, I bless them. I pray, God, that this would be a season where they can see the promise set before them, God. I ask that this would be a season where you would encourage their hearts, God, to, to, to uh, not try to microwave the promise, but actually wait and do it the way you had. God, I ask that they would not be passive about waiting, but that they would be active about it, Lord, that they would wait eagerly, that they, if they're called to be a doctor, then in their free time, they would study it. Like if you're called to be a worship musician, then use your Saturday to study music, like whatever it is, do whatever you can in this season to wait expectantly and ready and be prepared for what God has for you. God, I ask that you would spark fresh promises in their hearts, promises that have been gone for years, promises that feel like they've let go. Would you re-spark them fresh inside of their hearts, God? Any dirt that's gotten over them, that's discouraged them, we just pull that off right now in Jesus' name. And God, I ask that you would bring a fresh wind, a fresh breath, a fresh excitement to them right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that this season is not a waste. The season is not a waste. The season is not a waste. God is using it to set you up for your future. I bless them, Lord, and I ask tonight that they would go home and they would take a moment and you remind them of the promise. And I challenge you guys, write down the promises of God in your life. Post them somewhere. I have literally a reminder that goes off on my phone to remind me to look up the promises of God on my life and I've written them in my phone. Do something very practical to remind yourself of God's promises. I bless them and I love them more. And in your precious name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Awesome, guys. So... Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.